of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and this is the podcast that talks comic book-based animation. Welcome for joining us. Welcome to episode 60. We got kind of an exciting episode well, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, which we're going to get into a little bit more in a second. Let me briefly explain the rules. Rule number one, like I say every week, it's comic book animation. That's what we're talking about. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold, Marvel 2 and 1. So this is a team-up podcast. Every week, myself and a guest teaming up to talk comic book animation. Rule number three, we got to have fun. Like I said, welcome to episode 60. We're going to be talking about something that's a particular favorite of mine, but uh, before we get into that, I'm going to bring my guest. He's returning to the multiverse. He's the host of the Raging Rainbow YouTube channel. Please welcome back Dr. Midnighter. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Matt, and thank you to everybody for having me back. It is such an honor to be back here. Happy to be back in the multiverse to talk about some more comic book animation. So, uh, you picked the subject, and I'm pretty excited about it. We're going to be talking the Justice League of America, crossing over with the Justice Society of America. Yes. <laughs> I got to warn you, a friend of mine and a former guest and a couple listeners are very passionate Justice Society fans, so they're going to be listening to this episode with some intense scrutiny. Very good. Very good. I expect nothing but the most intense scrutiny. I, I love it. I hope that they come guns a-blazing at me. So uh, before we really get into the cartoon, or uh, you picked this episode, which focuses on a team-up of the Justice League and the Justice Society. Really, what made you ultimately decide this is uh, the episode you wanted to talk about? Oh, it was such a tough decision, honestly, because... Well, to to put it fairly, I had an idea. I was split between two episodes from two different shows, but they were both essentially the same thing. The one that we're going to talk about today and an older one from the Justice League uh, Unlimited show where they had basically the same premise, but they didn't have the characters by name. So I was tempted to pick that one, but ultimately I prefer to talk about the actual characters instead of analogs. So it had to be Crisis. 22,300 miles above earth. I mean, just a classic episode. Were you referring to the, the justice guild episode? Is that the one you were? Yes. The justice guild. That's the one. That is a great episode. I, I, I'm going to have to do an episode on that at some point as well. Absolutely. Well, for any of you younger, uh, viewers, um, or people that just never really looked into the, uh, back issues back in the day before when the original multiverse, there was Earth 1, there was Earth 2, Justice League was Earth 1, Justice Society was Earth 2, and they used to, every year, do a Justice League, Justice Society crossover, which was always a fun story, but kind of died off once uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths happened. 
They stopped doing the annual ones. And uh, to be honest, I, I, I assume they've done one since then, but I'm not aware if they have or not. Uh, as far as team ups with the the Justice Society, no, nah, that's 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 definitely a long gone thing. They still do the yearly crisis, and it gets weirder every year. Now I know your favorite character is Doctor Midnight. So would you also say that the Justice Society is your favorite superhero group? I would absolutely have to say that. I mean, just as a fan of you know history and especially that time period, the Justice Society encapsulates you know the between the twenties all the way up to about the fifties. I mean, that to me, that's just, that's classic superheroes. So I would absolutely say they're my favorite team. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, and shame on you if you're listening to this and you don't know, the Justice Society of America is the first ever superhero group in the history of comic books. First appearing in All-Star Comics number three back in 1940. And that issue it was uh, Gardner Fox, Sheldon Mayer, and Everett Hibbard that put it together where they basically took a bunch of the already existing characters, put them into one big group. We got the Adam, the golden age, Adam, the golden age, Sandman, the specter, the golden age, flash, the golden age, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, our man, and the golden age, green lantern, the original lineup of the justice society. And basically kind of the deal was, is uh, a lot of times when, they would only appear when they didn't have an ongoing title, and sometimes they would be considered an honorary member when they did. Right. I believe that is the reason why Superman and Batman were not technically permanent members. They were around a few times, but because they were so popular, it was, it was a foregone conclusion that they would ever really be there. Wonder Woman uh, did show up as secretary. Yes, Wonder Woman. What do you think about uh, Wonder Woman? More powerful than over half the group, but they made her the secretary. <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's one of those times that you say it now, you're like, yeah, Wonder Woman was the secretary and anybody would look at you strange because we all know Wonder Woman. But back at the time, I guess it just made sense. You know, she's the girl on the group. She's taking the notes. So as well, uh, Starman would later on join Johnny Thunder. Uh, like you had mentioned, Batman and Superman, um, Dr. Midnight, um, Wildcat. Yes. Uh, I might be missing a, a person or two, but that was about it. Um, and they lasted until the superhero uh, genre kind of died in the late 40s. Once the war was over, uh, they weren't selling as much. The last issue they appeared together at that point was back in All-Star Comics number 57. Now, I don't dislike the Justice Society. I've always been more of a Justice League guy. Justice, <laughs> the Justice Society thing about them, I, I, half the group I think are great, and then a couple of them are kind of just there to me. <laughs> like, I really love the Golden Age Hawkman. I love the Spectre, Dr. Fate, Our Man. I think even though he's kind of a clown, Johnny Thunder is definitely a unique character. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love Wesley Dodd Sandman, but I I don't think he, I never felt he fit in that well in a in a superhero group. I could agree with that. It, it was definitely at that time when you still had more so the the masked mystery men, you know, kind of just the guys in suits with maybe a mask and a fedora pulled down. And that was about all that they needed to be a hero. And, and once we got a little bit further away from that, I mean, granted, you had Superman, but you got a little bit further away from that and started getting people with powers. At some point, it didn't really make sense for a guy with just a sleep gun to be on the team. And my least favorite member, without a doubt... <laughs> 
the golden age adam what a useless character <laughs> i mean you know he i i know what they were going for making him small and he's the strong man and everything but i mean everything about it was just clunky the costume the the concept everything was just weird it definitely improved with the silver age yeah, that costume is awful uh just terrible and you can debate if the silver age updates were better, but there's no doubt Ray Palmer was a step up from Al Pratt. Absolutely. Um, and I, not that I don't like him, but when you say it out loud, it's ridiculous. Wildcat is a boxer who decided to dress like a cat and fight crime. It is a weird thing. I've always wondered about that too, especially because you look at it, he almost looks a little bit more like a bulldog. So I don't know why they didn't just go with bulldog. But yeah, sure. Wildcat, I guess it works. He's, I guess, because he's nimble on his feet. Maybe. I don't know. And then there's your favorite Dr. Midnight, whose powers are he can see 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the best thing in the world. I love it. It's just, it's so weird. And it's even better to me because I was always that kid that just wanted to be left alone. And the idea that he gets to just walk around with these shades on pretending he's blind and everybody just gets out of his way. That always kind of appealed to me a little bit at first. So I like it. And the other day uh, I was talking to my wife about this episode and she asked me a question that I didn't really know the answer. Did Dr. Midnight have a PhD or an MD? (laughs) he is a medical doctor um that is one of my favorite things about him when you look at him you have dr charles mcniter who actually directly was the one who delivered his successor in peter cross he helped his mother when he was in norway was you know able to deliver the baby and as a you know tribute to him he ended up becoming the second you know dr midnight and they were both medical doctors they're that's the other thing that i really love about it that they're actual surgeons for superheroes so that angle always kind of appealed to me as well now I just don't I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. I do like the Justice Society. I like a lot of their adventures. I like most of them, but a couple of them are are very dated, ridiculous characters to me. <laughs> it's the best part about it. I mean, you know what? We look at them now and we're like, yeah, these are weird characters, but if you look at some of the stuff that's coming out of Japan right now, I mean, they're not so out of place, I guess. So the mystery man, the superhero genre, it the war was over. It had been over flooded, so it kind of like lost its luster for a while uh, until the Silver Age came around, DC specifically. I mean, Marvel would come around, but uh, in the late 50s, they decided they were going to do a relaunch. Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman never went away, but they, they did a new a Silver Age Flash, Silver Age Green Lantern. Uh, it was successful. So then they decided they were going to revamp them, but... In this new version, it would be the Justice League of America, which I believe I read Julie Schwartz or maybe Gardner Fox was inspired by baseball, how Major League Baseball had the National League and the American League. Yes, I heard that. That I believe it was Julie Schwartz who said that when he heard the word society, he always thought of you know some dusty room with old people sitting around drinking tea and talking about books. So he he didn't really think that society fit the the idea of superheroes, but a league, like you said, with athletes, like that sounds fun. That sounds exciting. People will want to know about that. Kids like leagues. So with the success of the Silver Age, some of the they had some readers, older readers that were overlapped from the golden age at that point. Um, and a lot of them remembered or were familiar with the justice society. So they decided they were going to take a shot at them. And they first 
brought him back with the concept of the multiverse, essentially, with Flash 123 back in 1961, Flash of Two Worlds, where Jay Garrick and Barry Allen meet for the first time, which I believe, isn't it, that uh, <laughs> something bizarre where Barry, Jay Garrick's adventures are like a comic book on Earth One. <laughs> And yes. I believe like Gardner Fox was, was dreaming about what earth two. <laughs> that's, that's apparently, yeah. The, the original origin for why he took that on was just the flat, the golden age flash was a comic book character that he really loved growing up. And then when he had these powers, he was like, Oh my God, you know, I'm just like my favorite hero now. So I'm just going to take that name and a better costume and, you know, just run with it. So even all the way back then, they were already being very meta about their old stuff. So, I mean, it's one of the classic, when I think of like, like 10 classic issues, you know, like Fantastic Four number one, Amazing Fantasy 15, All-Star Comics number three, Flash 123, Flash of Two Worlds. I mean, that, that definitely, that introduced the concept of the multiverse and brought the Golden Age to the Silver Age. Exactly. And just, I mean, you look at that cover and it's just, it's so, it's understated, but it's iconic when you understand the significance of it and that it birthed this idea that, I mean, now has been expanded to what I would call ridiculous lengths. But I mean, just to know it all started there with one book and just them trying to tell the story of, you know, what would happen if these two characters were to meet. And I think it's just, it was genius at the time. Like I said, we can debate on whether or not the effect has been good or not, but at the time, really cool. So it was popular, very popular. A lot of people liked it, so they decided they were going to bring him back and do a team-up. So in Justice League of America 21, back in 1963, they did the first official team-up of the Justice Society and the Justice League, Crisis on Earth 1, which was the first of many, many crises that DC would have over the past 50 years. That is true. And they have had so many of them. The funny thing is when I uh, I graduated from high school, I was getting back into comics. And they, that was around the time they were celebrating the anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I, at the time, didn't really know my comic book canon at all. So I learned about it. And then I found out, oh, they've had a lot of crises. And I just I wanted to read them. So I managed to find them all online. And I read everyone going all the way back to Crisis on Earth 1 and just read every single one all the way up to at the time it was final crisis so i've read them all they've gotten bonkers more and more every time that they've done another one but back in the day they were just fun little stories well it became popular and they decided to make a an annual event so from 1963 to 1985 i believe was the last one they would do a justice league justice society crossover every year and um it's plenty of uh big things people don't realize it but a lot of big things happened over those years. Like, the, for example, the first appearance of the Crime Syndicate was in a Justice League, Justice Society crossover. The Crime Syndicate was from Earth 3, the the evil version of the Justice League. Um, that's when they introduced the Silver Age Black Canary, that she was the mother of the original Black Canary. And I believe she first got her sonic scream in a Justice League, Justice Society crossover. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where it's just, you know, it just it kept getting better. We know with the crime syndicate thing, it was just I mean, that was them really starting to you could see where they were starting to play around with this idea of the multiverse. Like, okay, we have the Justice Society, the Justice League. What if there was one where they were just all evil and they threw that all together? So I mean, you could see that was the moment they were like, We might have something here. Plus, uh the death of Mr. Terrific happened in the Justice League, Justice Society crossover. The seven soldiers of victory getting reintroduced from the golden age. 
That was in one. Uh, the first appearance of the Superman of Earth 2. Well, when the concept happened that there were two different Supermen, you know, obviously Action Comics number one. But yeah, they introduced the concept of the Golden Age and, and Silver Age Superman being two different people. So a lot of big things happened over those years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I really love that, too, about the Superman thing that they they really played on it. If you know, if you know, you're like Superman history, they even went so far as on Earth Two with the Golden Age Superman. He was actually working at the Daily Star and not the Daily Planet because that was originally what it was called. So, I mean, they really put everything in and saying, you know, everything great from back in that day, it's all still there intact, just in a different universe. After a while, they, they kind of got popular, so they had to bring them back again. Uh, so they brought back All-Star Comics back in 1977. You know, they started right where it left off with uh, All-Star Comics 58. Um, this is the first time they really did, they, they did aging heroes. The heroes they now said were like in their 50s. They visibly looked older. They were like the early generation was pretty much unheard of back then. Hmm. And then incorporated like the Robin of Earth 2, Power Girl, Huntress, Star Spangled Kid. That's the interesting thing to me about Earth 2 was that it was very much, even though it the genesis of it was that it was set around those older heroes, it very much, once the story kept going, I mean, you saw like with Robin growing up and taking on his own identity on that world, like that world actually kept progressing in its own way that, I mean for the most part, has been completely lost ever since they've done all these retcons. A lot of that history that they were building up for Earth 2 back in the day is just gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So, I mean, really unfortunate. They had some interesting things that they were doing there. I prefer that version of Huntress being Helena Wayne, being the Golden Age Batman's daughter. Uh, I like that. I liked that version better. They got rid of it after Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I've always preferred that Huntress to anything they've done since then. Exactly. And let's not even talk about how messed up Power Girl became because they kept having to wreck on her origin. Every time. It's like if they're not trying to figure out some way to to work her into everybody else's life, they're just completely ignoring her and acting like she doesn't exist. So poor girl, she can't catch a break. Now for my obscure old DC message board fact of the day. Back when the DC message boards existed, this was you're younger than I am, so you were probably really young when this happened. Uh, I was always flabbergasted, and my friends and I still make a joke that uh, there was a guy in there who claimed the Earth 2 Robin is his all-time favorite superhero. (laughs) Okay, no, we need to track down this individual. He needs to be studied. (laughs) If you're listening, and that's you from the old DC message board, I would love to hear from you if Robin of Earth 2 is still your favorite character. (laughs) Please let us know. We have questions. Now, these were all fun. I loved them. I love the old Justice League series. I love these team-ups. But sadly, in the late 80s, I don't know if it was Marv Wolfman, I don't know who, but someone decided that the multiverse was too convoluted. There were too many Earths. There was too much going on. They were going to wipe it all out and start it over. So with Crisis on Infinite Earths, they got rid of Earth 2. They got rid of the multiverse. The Justice Society would no more. The Golden Age Superman and Batman no longer existed. Neither did Huntress. Messed up Hawkman for years. Oh, and man. they they unfortunately ended it, which which is bizarre now because if I'm not mistaken, is uh I know Marvel has it, but doesn't DC just completely brought isn't it the omniverse now or something like that? Exactly. And that was the worst part of it all. Like they they had a good thing going, and I can understand where they're coming from. They realized, okay, we have so many different storylines going on with the same characters in different worlds. 
people don't know what to read and what where to start. So we just need to give them a blank slate so they know where to start. And they just mashed everything together and just made a complete mess of it. And yeah, now we're at a point where they've done that so many times that they've said, you know what? It all exists. If it's not in this multiverse, it's in another multiverse that's made up of infinite worlds. So it's an omniverse. It's just, it's literally anything goes. It's like the Wild West. Now, they've tried a couple of times to bring back the Justice Society. They did uh, hmm. um, that for a long time. They, uh, they, they didn't kill them, but they were banished to Valhalla for like, they were gone completely. And that was the last time I think Roy Thomas actually wrote a Justice Society. I think it was the last days of the Justice Society. Yeah, they've been uh, gone for quite some time. Which a friend of mine and former guest, uh, he considers, even though he's read it beyond that, he considers last days of the Justice Society the end of the real Justice Society. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I think that's that's absolutely fair considering what came after. In the early 90s, they did a, a series that only lasted 10 issues, but they had them really old. And I, I just wasn't going to work at that point. Um, now, I do think, for the most part, the Jeff Johns JSA s- series was pretty good in the late 90s. I liked how they did a mix of the remaining old members with, and they tried to incorporate the newer generation of Justice Society members as well. And they're um, trying to incorporate that whole storyline, I think, into the Stargirl series right now. So you can see some influences from those stories. Plus, uh, I got a so- I've always had a soft spot for Hawkman, so they brought Hawkman back and finally fixed all that garbage that had gone on between Crisis and kind of made him back to the old golden age of the mix of the reincarnation with the Thangarian technology. Yeah, that whole thing has just been a minefield they've tried to work out. I think that at that time period, they kind of had it figured out. Recently, they've strayed here and there and it's just kind of weird again but for a while it seemed like hawkman they finally had him figured out now i don't know if you're reading comics i mean were you were you in a position to be upset in zero hour when they killed dr midnight (laughs) i was not reading comics unfortunately at that time well maybe fortunately so i didn't have to see him die but (laughs) no i wasn't see when i got older and i did read it i was like you know what i'm really glad i wasn't around for this time so i know we've been kind of on a tangent but this is all leading to Brave and the Bold, the episode Crisis, 22,300 miles above the Earth, which I believe is the one and only time that the actual Justice Society and Justice League and animation ever teamed up. I believe so, yeah, definitely. I mean, they've had, you know, different members in other shows, but never the actual teams coming together in this. I think this really was the first time. Now, I've talked about Brave and the Bold more than once. We're not going to go into whole history of the show, but it was a... Warner Brothers and DC uh, Animation. Uh, it was on the Cartoon Network, aired in 2008 to 2011. Basically, what they did was they took the great old concept of the Batman team-up story where Batman would team up with someone every week. But what I liked is, uh, for the most part, they did focus a lot on a lot of lesser-known characters. Yes, that's always the best thing to me because, I mean, we can see Batman and Superman in a lot of different places on a lot of different movies and shows getting to see some of the more obscure characters only happens in a place like this where they're willing to take a chance. And it kind of arced over the seasons where they formed the justice league throughout the show as well. Even though it's a little bit more the, the justice league international, the Bwahaha years of the justice league. That is true. Unfortunately, but they made it work. They did this. Uh, if you never listened to the show or see me on social media, 
I can't say enough good things about Brave and the Bold. It's one of my top four favorite animated series of all time. It's just such a great cartoon. Anything you could want from Batman, a mix of his more serious to the goofiest stuff, all sorts of great guest stars. I don't think they ever did a bad episode of the show. Honestly, no, there's not a single one that I can think of that I was ever bored watching. And uh, Crisis, 22,300 miles above the Earth. Original air date, October 28, 2011. Written by uh, Stephen Melchig, directed by uh, Michael Gogan. Not gonna, there was normally I get into the creation of the characters and the voices, but there's so many that I just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, we'll just say Batman, who's the star. He was uh, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, voiced by Diedrich Bader, who, uh, if anybody knows, was on uh, the Drew Carey show. He was in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He was in uh, the Beverly Hillbillies re- uh, film. He's actually still voicing Batman on the Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh, that's right. I forgot he's on there. I haven't watched the Harley Quinn show, but I forgot. Yeah, he's on there. Harley Quinn show, uh, to me, is really enjoyable. You just have to go into it knowing what you're getting, that you're getting kind of a skewed adult over-the-top version of the DC universe. That's absolutely the sense I got from him. I was like, this is not for someone who's looking for comic book stories. This is just to have fun. And since he's your favorite, Dr. Midnight, created by Stanley Joseph Ashmeyer and Charles Reisenstein. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm horrible with pronunciations. And uh, he's he's voiced by a Corey Burton, who's uh, done a lot of voice acting, basically for Disney in the last couple of decades. He voices Captain Hook, Ludwig von Drake, and Dale whenever they show up in any of their projects. Very nice. Very nice. I mean, only the best kind of pedigree for my guy. <laughs> now, on that note... We are going to watch Brave and the Bold, Crisis 22,300 Miles Above Earth, and we're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Check it out. It's a battery. Sweet. Get a taste of an awesome tea. McDonald's and Batman. There's a Batman, the Brave and the Bold toy in your McDonald's Happy Meal. I have a knack for destroying bullies. But there are some who think I need help. Hawkman. Dr. Fate. And their new recruits. Cyclone. And Adam Smasher. They call themselves the Justice Society. An organization that believes in fighting for truth and justice. Well, I'm going to teach them that the only beliefs I fight for are mine. Welcome to Truth, Justice, and the Black Adam Way. Aliens are attacking! We need the Justice League! But Mega Dangers require Mega Armor! Activate Superman! Electron Blaster Flash! And Blade Wings Batman! They're attacking both sides of the planet! Luckily, the Justice League brings the power of the Javelin 7! This powerful ship can separate, divide, and conquer! And launches missiles to keep this planet safe! You can join the fight for justice! Justice League Mega Armor figures in the Javelin 7 vehicle, each sold separately. Batteries not included. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice...
And we are back. And hopefully you just also watched Brave and the Bold, Crisis 22,300 Miles Above Earth. I do love the fact that they put the crisis. It's, it sounds like the title of one of the old crossovers. Absolutely. I was actually thinking, I think that might be the name of one, or maybe I'm just misremembering. But yeah, when you hear that name, you immediately think this is one of those crossovers that I remember reading as a kid. And I, I can't wait for it. And they did not disappoint. Now, with Brave and the Bold, usually they do an intro that has nothing to do with the episode where it's kind of testing the waters for something they might want to do down the road. I tended to ignore it and just jump right to the crossover, but this intro is so ridiculous (laughs) it must be talked about. It opens with Batman is held captive by the Joker, and the Joker is hosting a comedy roast of the Cape Crusader while roasting him over an actual open fire. <laughs> I love it. And especially because the stage design is absolutely just like those old Dean Martin roasts. And oh man, I, I love it. Just complete insanity. Just bonkers. I mean, take the Adam West Batman show and just turn it up to 100. I mean, that is absolutely what they went for here. And like the the roast guests, they're like Two-Face, Kite Man, Grodd, Solomon Grundy, Poison Ivy. I think the Riddler's there. Black Manta is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was Mr. Freeze, just because I figured they were all going to be ice puns, but the delivery was just perfect. Well, first, Grodd makes a terrible joke about after he's roasted, he's got dibs on the thigh. <laughs> he laughs. Mr. Freeze comes up and says that uh, Mr. Freeze at a roast, who would have thought it? <laughs> I hated him so much, but it was making me laugh. I was like, oh, this is terrible. Keep going, keep going. And then he says that he only has ice for you, Batman. That doesn't get a laugh. That gets a groan from the audience, even though all the other terrible jokes got laughs. <laughs> oh, man. He tried it, though. I mean, you know, for a cold open, not too bad. Now, and this <laughs> took me by surprise. I thought it would. I, they actually brought <laughs> real life roastmaster Jeffrey Ross on for the episode. <laughs> and kind of as the uh, the ringer, he was there to really deliver the death blow. But came as a little bit of a surprise. He he surprised me. I thought he was going to willingly join the villains, and that ended up not being the case after all. Why is he like three feet tall? <laughs> I know he's short. I didn't think he was going to be that short. I feel like the animators are trying to have a little bit of fun with him. They make a bunch of jokes about uh, Batman having Robin as his ward. Uh, it says something about, you know, most parents are wanting to go to school. You're having him disarming bombs. Says, <laughs> Quite honestly, uh, very tame from Jeffrey Ross. Yes. <laughs> he's causing the, the boy, the only boy wonder. The only wonder is that he's still alive. <laughs> While everyone's distracted, Batman actually frees himself from the roast. Um, <laughs> he starts throwing his own jokes in there uh, while fighting Batman with the worst the jokes arguably great but the delivery is so terribly Batman that you really <laughs> have to love it I and that's where you have to applaud Diedrich Bader for being able to deliver those jokes so stilted like Batman would and just make you think like oh man these are funny but it's Batman so are you supposed to laugh and he says to the penguin that uh, he should call himself Nail 
because he's about to get pounded by the hammer of justice. <laughs> that one to me was almost a little bit dirty, but I guess they got away with it. Uh, he'd hit Two Face on his good side, but he doesn't have one. <laughs> we need a we need just a roll in the snare drum after each one of these. The joke that made me laugh the most is when he says, uh, to, "Hey Riddler, I got the answer to your riddle," and he just punches him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish that they would put that in a movie too. Just have him say, that, "Like, yeah, I got the answer to your riddle. It's right here." And just have him punch him. Like that should have been the ending to the Batman movie. Ross even gives the Joker like a karate kick. <laughs> I think that was the one that caught me off guard because I I figured after him helping Batman escape, he was just going to be standing off to the side. So when he got into the action and actually delivered like the last blow to Joker, I said, okay, I wonder if he had to ask them to make him a hero or if they just already knew. We're going to go ahead and have you fight the Joker. And uh, he says maybe you should try crime fighting, which... Batman tells him he should stick to comedy. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of the intro. We had the opening credits. And then we got into, they're at the satellite where they're preparing for a big party for the Justice Society, where it's like Fire Ice, Captain Marvel, uh, Blue Beetle, Guy Gardner, Martian Manhunter. Mm -hmm. Probably forgetting somebody. No, I think that was everybody. Unless I'm forgetting something, but I'm pretty sure that was everyone. Blue Beetle's all excited, but Guy Gardner is not impressed with these old fossils. Which fits his personality, honestly. He would absolutely just be like, you know, why do we have to entertain these old people? You know, it's definitely not his type of thing. So they definitely hit Guy Gardner on the head with that one. He he definitely wouldn't be wanting to hang out with them. So they arrive in the teleporter. Quickly, uh, Jay Garrick, I think, says that... uh. When he finds out it's Justice League International, he says he thought it'd be the other one, the good one. (laughs) It's okay. We all did, honestly. And Starman says he only came for Superman. Starman has the greatest voice ever on this. I'm going to try and do it. He says, I only came for Superman. He does. I want to. I, I should have looked it up before this because I know that that I recognize that voice and I have no idea who voices him. I need to check it out because he really does that intonation that he has. The, just the way he his voice kind of drones before he even starts talking. It's just perfect. And then a really baffling point where Wildcat, who's uh, he's voiced if you don't know by the the guy who plays the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Arlie Emery, I think is his name. The late, uh, he's no longer with us, but he says, hello, uh, satellite is up in the air. You're not going to be able to stop bank robbers from up here, (laughs) which Dr. Midnight says you got that right. And for some reason, the entire justice society burst out in laughter. Like that's the funniest joke they ever heard. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those things when you, it's kind of like old retired cops, they say things that make them all laugh, but everybody else is just kind of confused. I guess you have to have been on the beat for a certain number of years to get it. And uh, Flash has to use the bathroom, which becomes a running gag. I don't know if they're implying there's something wrong with his prostate or what's going on with that. <laughs> I mean, I guess everything just runs right through him. Oh, God, now I'm doing it. <laughs> Marshman is a little nervous because Batman said he would be there and he tries to get a hold of him, which... 
In such a matter-of-fact, ridiculous, brave-in-the-bold way, Batman says, sorry, I'm uh, being chased by uh, skiing ninjas with lasers. <laughs> Which, I mean, for Batman, shouldn't... I mean, if it's coming from Batman, shouldn't come as a surprise. Be like, oh, okay, we'll talk to you later. Uh, they go back to the party. No one's really mingling. Uh, they comment about the shrimp is too spicy. The chicken is dry. Starman comments on the small portions as well. <laughs> I love it because the whole time Martian Manhunter is just trying not to have a meltdown for his party that he's trying to throw. And they even make a Ma Huckle reference. Oh, I know. The one character we don't get to see, but that everybody should know. The original Red Tornado. Yeah, they make that she wouldn't put up with this running out of food. <laughs> Which is true. She was a girthy woman. Uh, you find out that the reason they're running out of food is Aquaman has been helping himself to the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> and I love Aquaman in this show. Just, oh God, that voice is so perfect every time. Aquaman is, if you've never seen it, Aquaman is genius on this show. He he should have shown up on more episodes. He really should have. The way they had it written was perfect for him to be in every episode, honestly. Um, Starman asked him to turn up the heat because, I quote, it's colder than a polar bear's toenail. <laughs> when I heard him say that, I, I immediately thought, you know what? That just sounds like something I would hear someone say in a nursing home, quite honestly. Like, they just, they nailed their the old type of references and sayings that they would have. Now, I don't, maybe this is some old man slang I never heard before, but <laughs> polar bear's toenail? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. Just speaking, you know, figuratively and metaphors, like just it's the type of thing old people do when they have nothing to do but sit around and think, I guess. So it makes perfect sense. We cut back to Batman, who uh, he's fighting the League of Shadows. He ends up getting knocked out. Real quick scene just to establish what's going on off camera. Go back where uh, Guy Gardner says uh, the truest thing I've ever heard. He says, whoever designed Alan Scott's costume must have been colorblind. <laughs> and, you know, Alan Scott is my favorite Green Lantern of all time. But, yeah, those colors just don't. Again, it's it's going back to the golden age when it just made sense. But you look at it now and, yeah, there's no way that would fly nowadays. <laughs> I have kind of a 50-50 with, I like Alan Scott's costume because it's unique. It's like, cause there's like 25 green lanterns at this point. Uh, and his looks nothing, but that color design is just terrible. No good. No good at all. Ice makes a comment how the JSA smell good. Jay Garrick's got to go to the bathroom yet again. Then the blue beetle is going to give some of the justice society a tour of the satellite. Oh, you got to love it. He's such a fanboy for all of them, too, which quite honestly, I think is why I identified with Blue Beetle in this episode. Just that would absolutely have been me. I would be so excited to meet the Justice Society. Then we uh, flash back to uh, Batman. He's being uh, held prisoner by Rajal Ghul. They have him above a pool. Um, He says he's going to uh, restore ecological balance. He's going to accomplish this by shooting a rocket into the sun, which will raise the temperature, melt all the ice, and flood the continents. See, that just goes to show you hippies with initiative can really get stuff done. That is a weird plan, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, And you find out there's a giant squid in that pool that's going to eat them. 
Bring back giant monsters, man. They go back to the party. Uh, Alan Scott, he uh, he makes some uh, cracks about Hal Jordan to Guy Gardner, you know, kind of implying uh, he's in his shadow. You find out that Ice really loves pie. <laughs> she is such an airhead throughout this entire episode, and it is perfect in every way because every time – I just I need to make a video or just gifts of Martian Manhunter's responses to the things she says to him because they're just so perfect. That would be me as this airhead is talking about pie and I'm trying to keep everybody from getting into a fist fight. So everyone is bored. So Aquaman's going to sing with an Atlantean uh, spiritual number uh, called uh, Never Are Fins to Thee. <laughs> it's just a... <laughs> brilliant but terrible aquaman it's like dory and finding nemo where he's trying to sing and wail <laughs> exactly and you know what he does so beautifully i gotta give it he's been practicing give it to aquaman y'all uh, we quickly go back to where uh, talia frees batman from the uh squid and just plants a kiss right on him i mean she has a history of doing that right I don't know if they're, I can't remember. Batman acts a little surprised. I'm assuming their relationship's not established uh, on the cartoon anyway. Yeah. They probably haven't gone that far. Well, they probably don't want to reference what actually happened with all of that. So like, no, they're just, they kind of flirt sometimes. Uh, Blue Beetle's cabin is a mess. Wildcat particularly is not impressed. You should be able to bounce a quarter off the bed, he says. That's my favorite thing. I feel like they had him say that because of his, past experience as an actual drill sergeant and then playing one like it just made sense he would be the one to have that problem uh we go back and they're playing charades where no one can guess what aquaman is doing uh we get another trip to the bathroom from jay garrick which <laughs> i love the line where uh he says uh you're gonna be leaving the greatest game of charades ever played <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so sad, too, because, I mean, think about it. You're at a party with superheroes and you're playing charades. That's sad. At that point, I mean, can you even really call it a party? Probably not. <laughs> uh, Guy and Alan Scott uh, make fun of each other for the ring's weaknesses of yellow and wood. <laughs> you know, at, at the end of the day, I still prefer... Alan Scott's just because it's powered by magic. The wood thing, we'll have to figure out a way to retcon that because that's just stupid. You find a Batman tries to send a distress signal to the society, uh, but no one's really paying attention because of the party. Ice brings up pie again. She really, really wants a piece of pie. <laughs> they get into a bit of an argument how they're just not up to par with the Justice Society, which uh, Beatles says... Beetle, who's been the fanboy, finally speaks up, saying how he's proud to be part of this team. Which gets Starman to say, you'd be proud if you could figure out how to use a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> which, again, it's like, that's one of those old man arguments or insults. It's just like, what, Grandpa? I don't even know what that means. Like, I know you were trying to insult me, but do you know what you were trying to say? The Guy Gardner Alan Scott argument really escalates when Alan Scott says, Yeah, you're just a backup lantern with a bad attitude and a cheap haircut. <laughs> and you know what? He's not wrong about the haircut. I mean, the bowl cut, that's the cheapest one they have. Now, I used to love uh, Guy Gardner, but I really don't know 
what they're doing with him nowadays. I don't believe he showed up in the the Jeffrey Thorne Green Lantern series they just did. I don't remember. No, I don't think he was. It was just uh, John Stewart. Um, what's her name? Sojourner. Simon Baz, um, I think Je- no, Jessica Cruz wasn't there, and that other one, the new little girl. Je- no, they haven't had Guy Gardner. JoJo Mullins, right? Isn't that her name? I think. I don't know. They have too many now. But I love Guy Gardner. Um, I know he went to that period of the 90s where they took his ring and did all sorts of kooky stuff with him, but I'm pretty sure they got him back to normal. They were able to cure him from the whole red ring and everything, so he should be fine now. Well, he's fine as long as Tom King doesn't get his hands on him. Exactly. Well, if we can keep Tom King from getting his hands on anybody, we'll all be better off. <laughs> um, so the, the fight breaks out with the Justice Society and Justice League. It even turns into a pie fight at one point. <laughs> Which, I mean, perfect. Cartoon, just re- regular hilarity. Pie fight, of course. I've grown up with it my whole life. Have you ever been anywhere where a pie fight broke out? A pie fight? No, I've been around places where there have been plenty of pies, but nobody's ever thrown them. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Batman and Talia, they're now strapped to the rocket. They're going to go right into the sun with the rocket. But the Justice Society, they finally, uh, they got the distress signal. They all show up, both teams, to help Batman and save the day. There's a big fight with them and all of the uh, henchmen from the League of Shadows. Which, by the way, I would think the Spectre could just have taken care of this, like, with a snap of his finger at this point. I was going to say, I mean, you have someone who's literally held, you know, the world together. I think that he can probably handle these guys. It's a great interaction with Dr. Midnight says, lights out, creep. And, uh, <laughs> and Aquaman says, that's the right prescription, Dr. Midnight. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so bad, but it fits so perfectly. Aquaman uses his powers on the squid. So the squid and him are working together. Even Guy Gardner and Alan Scott, they work together. One of them frees Talia and Batman. The other one destroys the rocket. Exactly. See what happens when we put our heads together and really, you know, just unite. That's exactly what the whole point of this was. They finally learned to work their differences out. I wish they didn't have to make them fight to make it happen, but hey. (laughs) Then the only part of the episode I thought was kind of stupid is that there's this like kind of half-assed final fight with Ra's al Ghul and Batman where he's got kind of like body armor on or something like that. Yeah, it it doesn't – it kind of devolves a little bit. They they stray a little bit away from what was the cool thing, which was the two teams meeting up, and they kind of remembered, oh, yeah, it's the name's Batman, Brave and the Bold. So <laughs> he has to be the main character by the end. So they had to go back to him. In the fight, he's getting beat, it looks like, but he wraps the rooftop, the the needle at the top, to Ra's al Ghul's leg, causing him to fall off the cliff, a la Gaston and uh, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the classics. Yeah, and then uh, they've all saved the day. They're, they're back on the satellite. Everybody's happy. They are happy that the, uh, the JLA is keeping... The spirit of the JSA alive and well in this new team. And I don't think uh, continue to. Marsh Manhunter says how uh, it's good to see everyone uh, bonding over common desire. No, common dream, I'm sorry, which Batman says, what, justice? And Marsh and Manhunter says, pie. Of course. And there you have it. Their (laughs) central theme of the whole episode, pie. (laughs) 
<laughs> and here you have Brave and the Bold. Crisis, 22,300 miles above Earth. What an episode. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. It's just, it had everything in there. And like you said, there was just that little wonky moment where they tried to force the plot to go back to Batman. But other than that, it just, it worked out so well. And it was such good fan service for people who don't really get to see Justice Society. Like, that's always been my biggest gripe as a JSA fan is we don't get to see them enough in things because they just... They've been cast in the role of the old timers. So they're always just the elderly mentors that people go and talk to. They're never part of the action. So it's always nice to see them actually get to do that. I think if, uh, I mean, this happened in the final season of Brave and the Bold, but I would like to think if Brave and the Bold kept on going, that they could have every season done a Justice League, Justice Society team up. Oh, that would have been so perfect if we could have gotten more of that. But yeah, unfortunately, the show had to come to an end and God, just. Talk about the saddest of endings. I believe this was actually the second to last episode of the series. So, I mean, just knowing it, they gave us such a great episode. And then the next ones where we ride out, you know, into the sunset just sucks. I don't know if I'd call it a flaw. It's uh, but it's, it is overrun with characters. Unfortunately, uh, they couldn't give everybody something to do. Like Hawkman is on it. Not that you notice he doesn't do like anything. Dr. Fate doesn't do anything. That's true. Another one who probably could have dealt with the whole situation by himself. Uh, Shazam! Captain Marvel is there. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't do anything either. He could have stopped the rocket single-handedly. See, like they have all these heavy hitters, and that's that's when you run into this problem where it's like, okay, we have a lot of guys who can do this single-handedly. How do we have them work it together as a team on this? And it's just you basically have to almost ignore that they're there. And uh, I could listen to <laughs> Starman talk. All day long. he His voice is just so ridiculous. Everything he says is just golden. It's so perfect. That voice just, I don't know why it fits him so perfectly, but it really does. Like that has become the voice of Starman for me. Not that I see that Starman all that often, but when I do, <laughs> that's the voice in my head. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. Brave and the Bold, Crisis 22,300 miles above Earth. We're going to go to our spectrometer right off the bat. Anyone new to the show, the spectrometer is where we rank what we saw. Four spectros being absolute perfection, zero spectros being garbage. Dr. Midnighter, what are you going to give Crisis 22,300 miles above Earth? I believe I am going to give this two and a half out of four. I, I really, I was, I was expecting higher. I was planning to go higher, but you know what? I have to deduct a few points for bloating the cast a little bit too much for the runtime. And then also trying to force in the Batman plot. You can tell that was very much an afterthought as far as what Batman would be doing while everything else was going on. So if they had given us a little bit more on that. And then the third thing I have to deduct on is just, this was the last time it happened. I, I know I can't blame them for canceling the show, but I'm bitter. This was the only time I got to see the Justice Society. Well, second time. Well, I mean, really the first. I mean, we really can't count the Justice Guild as, a, yeah. as the first. <laughs> I'm going to go higher. I'm going three and three quarters. This is, uh, it's Brave and the Bold. It's pr almost perfection. Some of the Batman plot, I understand why they did it, but 
that's some screen valuable screen time they took away from the Justice League Justice Society crossover. So almost perfect like Brave and the Bold usually is, but I'm gonna go three and three quarter spectros. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I could I would have given it that, like I said, if it just if it had been a double episode and we could have had so much more go on with the teams, absolutely all day I would have given it at least three and a half stars. What did you think out there? Did you like it more than we did? Did you like it less? Either way is fine. I'm all about spirited debate and other people's opinion. That's half the reason I have a guess. I'd love to hear from you. If you can go to my social media and tell me what you thought about this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. And while you're there, if you could follow me, I'd love it. Facebook, you find me, Matt Spectro, through the multiverse. And give me a follow when you like as well. Also, every week we discuss in 2022, a child comes across Brave and the Bold. Crisis, 22,300 miles above Earth. What do you think? They're going to enjoy it? Oh, they better. Or I will have a problem with them. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine they wouldn't. Uh, Maybe this wouldn't be their favorite episode of Brave and the Bold, but I I think they would enjoy it. Um, Probably more like a little bit older uh, because this isn't the most action-based episode, but there's a lot of goofy stuff that I think a kid would enjoy on Batman Brave and the Bold. Absolutely. If you have a kid under 10, he'll love to watch this with you. If he's a teenager, he's just going to ignore you and lock himself in his room. So. It is a shame that uh, we've rarely gotten to see the Justice Society in animated form. It is a crime. To my knowledge, uh, other than that that movie they did, that directed DVD, uh, and they kind of showed up in New Frontier a little bit, but other than that, I can't really think of too much where the Justice Society's been showing up in animated form. No, they really haven't been anything yet. Just that Wonder Woman movie well it was wonder woman and flash so kind of overshadowed them and it wasn't the whole justice society but they were kind of there so i guess they gave it some effort i want to thank you for joining us coming back to the multiverse as always uh we come to the uh, free plug part of our show the floor is yours plug away awesome awesome well again i want to thank you for having me on and yes y'all can definitely find me as matt mentioned i do have a youtube channel myself it is the raging rainbow i talk about comic books i talk about anything kind of that catches my fancy i'm willing to do that i am also on a few different streams one is with uh, my friend trey mckell on his channel Uh, that's trey t-r-e-y-m-y-k-e-l trey mckell I'm with him every Friday night and then every Saturday evening I am on another one with a bunch of my friends. It is called Comics Way. That is Comics G-U-E-Y because we are all Hispanic. They are independent creators. I will be an independent creator soon enough, so be on the lookout for things coming from me. But you can always catch me over there as well having fun and like I said, on my own channel. Come and hang out with me. Follow me on Twitter. You can find a link somewhere on my YouTube channel. So just go there. You'll find it. And uh, most of the videos yours I've watched are usually reviewing current comic books. Anything you uh, think you could recommend for uh, any new or old readers out there that's recent? Oh, well, I mean, yes, as he mentioned, I review everything doesn't have to be DC Marvel. I will talk about whatever it is, if it interests me as far as what might be going on. If you're an older fan wanting to get into newer stuff and wondering, is there anything good that I might enjoy? There are a few books out there. Just depends on what you might like. If you're into multiversal stuff, look at what they have going on right now in you know DC with their Dark Crisis or Marvel with their Avengers. They have a whole lot of multiversal stuff going on. Check that out. 
want you want more street level stuff check out the batman books check out moon knight right now daredevil is also really good there is some good stuff out there you just gotta look around figure out what your taste is and what you're wanting to look into and kind of go from there and if you ever want recommendations like i said come find my channel ask me watch my videos leave me a comment i will definitely always you know go back and forth about comics all day long yeah it's like i always say when a lot of my uh Friends from the old school say comics are terrible now and all that. I don't entirely disagree, but if you look, <laughs> there are plenty of quality books still being produced. It's just not as we were spoiled for so long where almost everything Marvel and DC did was good and now not so much. It's not there at all. Like That's why I don't read anything X-Men right now. So if you're an X-Men fan of any era and you come and ask me, should I read X-Men right now? No. And when will it be safe for you to read X-Men again? Let's give it about five years and then check with me again. Oh, I want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, if you could also uh, smash the subscribe button to my podcast, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you could uh, share it with anyone, if you give me a five-star review, that'd be great. Uh, I really appreciate it. Any comments, questions, or uh, anything, suggestions, you could always, like I said, go to the, my aforementioned social media. And if... Uh, you're someone who's into comic books or into animation uh, and you'd like to be on the show sometime, uh, you can uh, DM me on Twitter, drop me a link on Facebook. I'm always looking for new guests. I have a guest on every week, so definitely hit me up. Again, Dr. Midnight, I want to thank you for coming back. I hope you'll come back again. Oh, of course. Anytime you'd like me in the multiverse, I can always make an appearance or one of my alternates. All right, maybe next time we can uh, maybe look into that Justice Guild episode. Oh, we'll have to. We have to. But I don't know this if uh, any of my Justice Society listeners out there, they, they might uh, want to stake a claim on reviewing that as well. <laughs> if so, they're welcome to join us or come and, come and excoriate me. Tell me all the things I got wrong in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you all for joining us. And that's it for this week. Tune in again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. <laughs>